0: Hello and welcome to the Insurance 2025 podcast with me, Scott McGee from Insurance Times. I'm very happy to be joined by Nick Pester, partner at Capital Law, who oversees insurance and insure tech. Thank Morning. you very much for in joining me, Nick. No worries. Um, so we'll dive straight in with the questions. You're on the panel, the Blockbuster panel at the end of the day, um, mm-hmm. asking is the insurance industry facing its Blockbuster moment? So that real moment of kind of collapse like Blockbuster did many years ago. Yeah. Um, so first up, I will ask you, are companies, you know, insurers, brokers, intertechs, service providers, whoever, are they doing enough to keep up with the increasing changes and demand for evolution? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that is a question which is answered by saying that some are and some aren't. Um, the It, it depends... It depends on who you're talking about within the market. There's some insurers who undoubtedly um, are taking up the baton. People like Channel, for example, I think, are a very good example. AXA has been very active in the space. Um, perhaps best not to name names the other way, but um, there are also many in the in the market who definitely are not. Um, I think that the as far as insurtechs are concerned... Um, We've seen an awful lot in the personal line space so far. I think that where text perhaps haven't been quite so um, aggressive to date is the commercial line space. I think that we're starting to see a change there now, particularly in the SME market, um, although of course the Lloyds um, uh, Future Prospectus that was released, the Future Lloyds Prospectus which was released last week, does indicate that actually even complex risks are now going to be kind of opened up as far as the this digital revolution is concerned. Um, so, I think that on the insurance side, as I say, there are many who are kind of who have got to grips with it, but there are many that haven't and in the and on in the InsurTech tech side, I think it's really um, where the real traction will be seen over the next six months, in my opinion is probably going to be um, commercial lines
0: so what do you think is the secret to longevity in in this space um, you know speaking about commercial lines how mm. what changes need to be made there to um, Make a sustainable model for Insuretex if uh, you are trying to crack that space mm-hmm. uh, to stick around and be mm-hmm. successful.
1: So I think, to be honest, on the commercial line side, one of the one of the um, main obstacles that InsureTechs had faced certainly to date has been really around the way the market is structured, particularly with Lloyd's, um, with the you know only certain participants being able to access that market, being very wholesale broker driven mm-hmm. um, and just the way that business is done in Lloyd's has always made it very difficult for InsurTechs to kind of break into that market so where we've seen um, the kind of commercial lines activity so far really has been in the, co- in the company market space on the SME side primarily and actually the people who've made real strides have been the ones who've kind of offered a, a completely different model to what is actually already out if you take Zego for example which I think is a very good example of this which is You know, by the hour, by the day, insurance, um, which is a perfect kind of marriage for the gig economy, um, and is now allowing um, SME insurers to to underwrite and offer um, cover, which is completely different to anything which has been on the market previously. So, um, the commercial, the the the, the company market has been there has been some um, progress made. I think with the Lloyd side. Um, The longevity um, piece is actually going to be enabled now by, as I say, what Lloyds have said in the last week or so, um, which I have to say uh, was probably a year or two ahead of when I thought they would make these types of statements, um, which is a a good thing. Mm -hmm. Not yet to be seen how the market will receive it, um, because I'm sure it it won't be taken – it won't be – uh, welcomed by some um, but it will be by others but the some of the ideas they've got like around syndicate in a box which is this idea of entrepreneurs trying to um, being able to set up syndicates remotely and being able to access Lloyd's for centralized functions such as compliance etc I mean that's that's pretty out there for yeah. Lloyd's and um, I think that's the potentially the key to longevity within that market which um, in short it been looking for.
0: So you felt it needed to come from Lloyd's so maybe from the top down rather than the intertext working their way.
1: Absolutely, I think that's the only way that it could have happened, really, because the mindset of Lloyd's. And in fairness, you know, we're talking about an establishment which is over three hundred years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of people may have said in the past that I. That I can be overcritical of the insurance market. Actually, I've worked in the same market for 15 years. I know a lot of these guys very well. A lot of them are friends, a lot of them are clients. So it's, not, it's not being overcritical. It's a fact to say that it's a 300-year-old institution, and with that, you're going to have certain ingrained behaviours and, um, and, and viewpoints. And I think it had to come from the top. I think my understanding is that it was it was um, drafted by people outside of Lloyd's but driven by John Neill, obviously, at, at the helm. Um, and I thought it was a really r- refreshing read, I have to say. I thought it, it said a lot of things which needed to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, the cost of acquisition being driven down of a risk from 40% to 20%. Um i am sure a lot of brokers may have got a bit of a shock when they read that. <laughs> um, but, you know... it, it lloyds has posted a combined three billion loss over the last two years um, it it, ca- it cannot go on no. posting those figures so something has to change so it had to come, had to really come from the top. It had really to be really driven yeah. You think? yeah
0: okay um, so going back to the insurance tax and insurers and brokers uh, what traits have you seen or do you see on the horizon that uh, people uh, companies could fall into that could be potentially mm. dangerous to their so, their business model. so, for the
1: insure tech side, I would say um, to give a bit of balance, I, I, the two kind of dangers really for an insure tech is the first we saw in the kind of first wave of insure that came into the market, which was this. Assumption that um, you just needed a good technology product um, and that and that, that was sufficient. Um, and actually the ones that have succeeded are the ones that have been able to marry um, the technology with the regulatory side because it is a heavily regulated market and of course the last year or two um, has seen a lot of new regulation um, and I think a lot of insure techs perhaps underestimated. Um, I'm not saying it was insurmountable. Clearly we've seen that some insured techs have done a good job of of, of, of overcoming those regulatory hurdles but some maybe just assumed that it was a bit easier than actually it is mm. um, to get yourself set up as a as an insurer or an insurer insurance intermediary. The second um, point I think is that technology and regulation. Uh, you know, there's this regulatory lag um, point, which is that regulation is really struggling to keep up with technology at the moment. Particularly, look at things like blockchain and GDPR as the obvious example that everybody always gives, but. The really interesting area for me is gonna be AI over the next kind of twelve months or so because um you know machine learning is um is exciting for insurers definitely, but it creates some real issues because if you have um self-learning kind of chatbots and things that um uh you know kind of make their own decisions, make their own calls, et cetera, um that's gonna be quite difficult to show that you've you've complied with, you know, GDPR principles, with IDD principles, etc. And we're still catching up. The, a, the, the whole world of AI regulation is, is in its infancy. Um, and I think, you know, insurtechs just need to kind of keep in mind that they, um, they need to kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the regulatory side and not just kind of, you know, always be in a hurry to develop new things. From the insurer side, lethargy. To be honest that that is the main trait that I see as being an issue um, I think we're in an we're in a time now where it's changed from two years ago where many perhaps considered it to be just a buzzword in sure tech and it wasn 't really something that was going to trouble the market to a point now where everybody realizes that something has to be done um, but not quite sure how to do it um, uh, and who to partner with to do it and and the people who drag their heels and 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 don 't you know kind of appreciate the urgency because there is some urgency now I think um, will you know we will lose out ultimately and I and I see the whole kind of merger and acquisition consolidation activity that's been going on recently in traditional market I think that's going to just increase over the next 12 months you're going to see a lot more um, you, you'll see more companies failing I think being honest insurance companies and you'll see a lot more mergers um, and acquisitions so lethargy yeah people need to perhaps just appreciate the urgency a bit more
0: okay um do you think the, the Constant um, Adaption And evolution of technology Is bringing, Making insurers Sit up and not be lethargic As, as you said They could they could uh, potentially be Absolutely,
1: I mean look, there are some Who have done, who are doing a great job In my opinion um, To go back to the channel example um, You know uh, Will Thorne at Channel I think was one of the First, real kind of innovation leaders from the insurance side in the space. They they have now got many very successful tech partnerships up mm-hmm. and running. Um, they have a balanced approach. They kind of appreciate that not everyone will be successful. It's, it's a it's a it's a trial as much as anything else. Um, but they have now got a name in the market, along with actually Munich Re Digital Partners. I would say mm-hmm. as well, they've got a very good name in the tech space as being people who companies who. Suretec want to do business with, um, and ultimately, you know, it's it's there's a bit of a Mexican standoff involved, right? You know, both both companies want, both sides want to believe that the, the other needs them, as it were. Yeah. Um, but Channel and, and Munich Re, I think, have done a really good job of positioning themselves in a, in an insurtech friendly way um, and as forward thinking insurance companies. So, yeah, there are many examples of, 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 of proactive, positive behaviour on the insurance side. Um, but I similarly, I've heard. Quite a few horror stories as well um, about just, just a, I think a, 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 either a failure or just an unwillingness to to grasp what's what's happening in the wider world. Yeah.
0: What do those What do those companies need to do uh, to kind of get on board and not be left behind?
1: The most important thing for me, I think, is plugging the innovation um, kind of program into the C suite level um, because the the what a lot of insurers have done in terms of compartmentalizing different parts of the business and creating new innovation labs and teams etc I, I think i applaud that i think it's a good thing to have a standalone innovation team but it needs to have authority it needs to have the the ability to make its own decisions and its own investments and have a budget and have you know almost a a delegated authority i guess given to it by c-suite and to have direct access to the Mm. c-suite to coos ceos um but but actually of course that also depends on having a ceo who is open-minded about these things i mean i um have a good a a good contact in the market he was a very senior um, information officer at one of one of the well-known insurance general insurance companies and and I know found it very frustrating dealing with the CEO there who wasn't particularly open minded so um, it was a cultural aspect um, definitely I, I always have been a big advocate of having some senior management from completely outside of the industry, um, you look at Bruce Carnegie Brown at, at Lloyd's, his background is retail um, you know so I think it and and that there's no coincidence that obviously some of the noises now being made from Lloyd's are under this new, this new leadership, I think it's very important to have people from outside the industry um, within but um, it's not you know it, there's no kind of magic formula to this it, the insurers can um, can make massive uh, there's massive opportunities for insurance companies mm-hmm. at this whole InsurTech um, kind of revolution as well it's just a case of structuring themselves in the right way to realise it
0: and so kind of leading on to, from that you know you're at Insurance 2025 um, why are events like this you know where we're put, trying to put insurers brokers in front of techs, and insure takes in front of potential clients. What, like, how important are these events to the industry? Well, I
1: think if you don't go to these events, then, frankly, you're going to be out of the loop um, on what's going on, um, you know, in in this space. And um, what I like about these events, and 2025 in particular, to be fair, is is showcasing things which are actually happening in the market. You know, everybody can talk all day about blue sky thinking and what could happen everything else but to actually hear from insurers and insurtechs who are doing things and and hardships that are working and seeing both sides of the seeing both sides of the divide as well you know like this debate for example is incredibly important because whichever side you fall on um there are arguments both ways but whichever side you fall on unless you really understand where the other party is the other side is coming from you can't really um you can't really make the most of things so you learn, I always say you learn from bad experiences and bad meetings and different viewpoints as much as you do from people who agree with you um, and who and um, who you work with. So um, they're incredibly important.
0: Great. So you're on the uh, debate, you know, uh, you've got Matt Cullen from the ABI on your side. who's mm-hmm. against the motion that insurers are facing a blockbuster Future, um and you've got Ed Slinger and Jantana from Tapley on the other side. Uh have you have you had much dealings with them? Yeah, I know, them, you, all very well. <laughs> you all know them all very well. I know so them all so very you know well. Their, yeah. So you know their point of view. I do,
1: I do, and you know, I I mean Matt uh, you know, taking Matt for as an example, he, he knows he knows there are arguments both ways, but obviously he um, he is somebody who's trying to drive positive change on the insurance side, which mm. I think is you know we need many more people like that within the market. Um, uh, Ed is um, extremely bright guy. I think probably be very difficult to <laughs> to um, to uh, debate with um, because he's very smart. Um, but again, he he the reason why people like Chintana and Ed are successful at what they do is they're not completely um, tunnel visioned about it. No. You know they 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 get that. You have to have the market on board, that you have to understand the market that is as important to understand the failings of what you're doing and the drawbacks of what you're doing and the pluses of, of what the insurance market may have as your own product, you know, as, as eulogising your own product. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think, that there'll be, I think that there'll be a lot of strong views. I think that actually everybody involved has a voice, definitely. <laughs> um, and I think that it should be actually a really interesting debate.
0: Great. Uh, well, you can catch Nick on the uh, debate, the Blockbuster debate, at the end of the day at Insurance 2025 on the 3rd of July at the ETC venues in St. Paul's. Uh, Nick, thank you very much for no joining worries. me. Looking forward to it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll hopefully see you at Insurance 2025. Thank you very much.